Welcome to Staying on Track, the podcast dedicated to helping you take control of your financial future. Brought to you by Daymark Wealth Partners, we plan to guide you through the exciting world of money management, investments, and smart financial planning. We will dive deep into a variety of financial topics, bring you expert guests, real-life success stories, and actionable ideas. So whether you wish for early retirement, buying your dream home, or simply making your money work harder for you, the Daymark crew is here for you. Let's take this financial journey together as we explore the path to financial empowerment and prosperity, all while ensuring that you are staying on track. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get started. Welcome to the Staying on Track podcast. I'm your host, Jason Beischel. I'm a founder of Daymark Wealth Partners, and I'm a certified financial planner. Today, we have a truly inspiring episode as we dive into the journey of Zach Fuller. He's a former Green Beret who has not only bravely served our country, but has successfully transitioned into the world of business. We're gonna try to uncover the financial strategies and planning that played a pivotal role in his post-military entrepreneurial success. So whether you're a veteran considering starting a business or just someone eager to learn valuable financial tips, this episode is for you. So Zach, thank you for your service and welcome to the program. Thanks, Jason, I appreciate you having me. So let's start off with this. So everybody knows that we have a military in this country and that military has branches. And within those branches, there are elite special forces. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the Green Berets and what that means to be a Green Beret and kind of what you guys do. Yeah, yeah, no, most definitely. Um, gosh, when when I initially joined the military, I, I really knew uh, I knew next to nothing. I was just a kid from a, a small town outside of Cincinnati. Um, and by luck, um, I joined as a uh, in 11 x-ray, uh, which then, you know, uh, turned into an infantryman. So when I first got in the military, I was a, you know, a basic infantryman, um, which uh, looking back on it, uh, thank God they put me there instead of, you know, behind a desk um, where I wouldn't have been uh, nearly as happy. Um, but it wasn't until, until I joined and had a little bit of exposure, uh, from the inside that, that I knew there were, you know, there's a lot more to, uh, the military in general. Um, my first exposure to green berets was my first trip, uh, to Iraq. Uh, we saw a bunch of guys with, a with, cool clothes and and big beards and <laughs> they they had all the all, all the cool toys and um you know the the infantry is kind of a hodgepodge you, you get all walks of life you know people who kind of take their job seriously and then you know people who don't take it as seriously so it wasn't until that that first trip to Iraq that um uh, you know I, I saw those guys and I just saw how uh you know on point and professional you know, they were, and, uh, that's where I, I got the itch. It was like, okay, I want to, I want to go to that side of the fence. So, um, got back from, from my first trip and, you know, figured out what it took to, uh, you know, go through the selection course, um, and eventually, you know, make my way to becoming a green beret. Is that so an the, invite? Is that like an invite process or do you go and seek that out? Uh, but, it's a, it's a volunteer process. So it, a, a Green Beret is it's the only group that wears the Special Forces tab. So a lot of people think Special Forces um, and, you know, just assume that it 
is an all-encompassing thing for for what the special forces is what all the the cool guys you know do um there's plenty of cool guys in the military i mean you have your rangers you have your navy seals um delta marsoc um you know but uh, there's really only one uh, special forces uh, and that's the the green berets so the the big difference with us uh, is you go through a selection process that's volunteer um, and it's a, a few weeks of going through a course that tests your you know physical and, and mental abilities um, and then if you're uh, lucky enough uh, to get selected in that course then you go through uh, what's called the qualification course so during the qualification course that can be um you know a year and a half um or even up to two years of training depending on on what job that you seek so um whereas a lot of the other uh, special operation communities you know their training pipeline to become a seal or a ranger is much much shorter um so what a green beret is is a you know we're trained in unconventional warfare uh, we're supposed to go into country before conventional forces right and lay the groundwork for uh, conventional uh, forces to to come into a territory so our job uh, typically takes a lot of strategic planning um, and it starts uh, well before a, a conflict is mainstream. So at any given time, typically uh, special forces teams are in 80 plus countries uh, throughout the world. So um, it's kind of a, a unique uh, group, you know, in a sense, you know, we all you know, are all kind of cut from the same cloth, uh, the the guys who have a problem with authority and uh you know might have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder uh, it's 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 fun though i mean you guys are literally fighting battles we have no idea about uh, or laying the groundwork for it yeah. um so yeah it's a it's, it's unique well that's sure. incredible what's the hardest thing from your qualification school physically most physically demanding try to paint a picture for us Physically demanding. Okay. Well, I mean, you're you, you have to ensure that you keep your body, you know, in in tip top shape. Uh, the selection course is probably, um, you know, the most physically demanding part of of the journey of becoming a Green Beret. Um, however, there are there are some some specialty teams that you can uh, try to get on uh, after becoming. A green beret that that are pretty tough. I know that the uh, the um, uh, dive training that our guys do is is definitely one of the toughest in the world. You know the uh, the dive course for for our guys is in out of Key West, and um, yeah, there's been quite a few documentaries uh, about that particular course. But it's um, especially with me being a non swimmer, um, that's 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 one course that I think is uh, probably the the most physically demanding that we have. Um, everything else, you know, is more a, a test of your your mental strength, uh, and if you can overcome, you know, some of the 
the the trainings that we go through um, mentally, you know, your your body ability will will follow. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, it's incredible to me that you guys and I might even say this wrong, but you guys drop into remote nowhere. You meet up with the local freedom fighters. You have to speak their language and you help train them up in their native tongue. And then you fight alongside of them. Am I saying that right? Because that's incredible to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, uh, the overall concept. So, you know, our uh, special forces teams are comprised of uh, what our infiltration specialty would be. All right. So a lot of people know about Halo, right? The guys who jump out of airplanes. Well, that's that's really cool, um, but that's an infiltration uh, technique. So those guys uh, would be called upon to, you know, uh, skydive into uh, a country, you know, and um, and other team specialties uh, revolve around, you know, other ways that they would infiltrate. But you're right, you know, one reason why our qualification course can take, you know, a year and a half plus is because we, we do have to learn foreign language. You know, there's five groups and uh, each group is kind of associated to a different part of the world. So, um, you know, if we're gonna go into Indonesia um, as kind of the first uh, US presence, uh, we have to look, have to learn a language that way we can communicate and, uh, and, uh, and work alongside the, the people that we're meeting up with. Yeah, that's incredible. I can't even I can't even get my check when I go to Mexico. <laughs> I feel you, man. Let's, so tell me about now. Like, where are you now? What are you doing? And then we'll kind of try to walk through that transition period of military into business ownership. Yeah, yeah. No. So I when I hit my ten year mark, um, you know, I had had a really, uh, really big decision I had to make. You know, once you hit your 10 year mark, that's kind of the pivotal point where uh, you're either going to uh, make the dive and in, into the 20 year stretch and, you know, retire out of the military or at least plan for it uh, or make the decision to, um, you know, get out and, and do your own thing. So it was a really tough decision for me. Um, I loved my job. Uh, however, you know, long term. I wanted to be my own boss. I really wanted to get out and and start my own business. Um, so ultimately, when I weighed all those pros and cons, um, which which took quite a while, I landed on on getting out and and starting my own company. Um, it was nerve wracking, you know, because if you're getting out for the sole purpose of being your own boss. Um, you know, you have to do something that feeds the pipe that results into a paycheck. Um, so getting out and not um, planning on, you know, being a, a worker bee, like the, the plan, you know, was to uh, be my own boss. So it was, a, it was quite an experience. Um, what I did at the very beginning was I did what a lot of Green Berets do and, and started off in another country. So the first um, company that I got started with was a uh, being a logistical uh, company for teams coming into the Philippines. So what that looked like, um, 
was if uh, teams were coming into the Philippines and needed uh, equipment, drivers, work to be done, um, you know, I got the bid on those contracts. Um, so it was a, a familiar area for me because uh, I, I dealt with that when I was um, in the military going to other countries. Uh, I'd put out contracts, um, you know, about work of, that I would need in uh logistical uh, things that I would need in that country. So I kind of knew the, the ins and outs and I had relationships built already. Um, so when I got out, I let all my buddies know, Hey, if you're coming to the Philippines, you know, put this company on, on your, uh, uh, as a preferred vendor and it'll let me bid on it. So it wasn't, but uh, just a, a month or two after I got out of the military that I had my first uh, logistical contracts out of the Philippines. Um, but that being said, um, I set myself up to where I had a little bit of a nest egg, uh, that I could lean back on. Uh, so I didn't start my first company with a, a business loan. Um, I, I used, uh, the money that I had in my savings account to, uh, to, to get started with it. But, um, that was, that was step number one, uh, it was just, making the decision that you're you're going to do it and you're going to do it by by any means necessary um well that's really cool that you found that natural fit and i think that's a, a good first step is find that natural fit what are you what are you already pretty knowledgeable about what areas can you just naturally transition into and then you touched on something that i think some people won't have and that's some sort of a nest egg saved up. I know there's a bunch of resources out there, correct, for, you know, military. Yep, yep, there, there really is. You know, I was I was jumping into this without a lot of knowledge. Um, you know, didn't go to school for business. Uh, didn't have a lot of exposure uh, of being anything other than a worker bee. So I, I say that I went through the school of hard knocks and, you know, kind of one of the reasons why I agreed to come on your podcast today was uh, just a, maybe shed a little bit of light on some things not to do versus versus what what to do. Um, So let me fast forward without taking up too much time. You know, since that first company that I started um, in the Philippines, you know, I've, I've since then uh, started various other ventures, uh, some successful, some not successful. I've, you know, invested into um, uh, ventures that that didn't pan out at all. Um, and I've also, um, you know, started companies that have, uh, you know, done, done very, very well in a very short period of time. Um, so some pros and cons, um, you know, investing into yourself is, in my opinion, always going to be uh, one of the the greatest things that you can do, right? Because um, you know, if you're an athlete um, or, you know, have that competitive nature, um, you know, which a lot of people in the military do, um, you're going to um, try everything possible to succeed. Um, I did a lot of, um, started a lot of my businesses uh, because I was fortunate from the beginning um, to have some companies that were profitable, uh, which allowed me to uh, invest into, you know, um, 
uh, some other companies. But if that weren't the case, and you know, my first uh, time up to bat, I would fell on my face. It would have been a lot harder uh, to kind of keep expanding and and keep going into new ventures. So uh, I would, you know, definitely, um, you know, suggest that that people. Uh, go through uh, routes where they can apply for small business loans. Uh, there's typically uh, incredible rates that you can get uh, if you put together a good pitch, a good business plan uh, to be able to get funding uh, that doesn't put your livelihood at stake. Um, you know, you can do that through various means. Um, you can pitch to banks that typically uh, will hand out small business loans, you know, if they believe in, in what you're trying to do. Uh, there's venture capital groups and organizations that are uh, associated to local, you know, your, your cities uh, that are that are focused on, um, you know, uh, startup businesses. Uh, I'm from Cincinnati, uh, so we have a couple uh, Cincinnati-based uh, startup programs that they really um, walk a new entrepreneur through uh, kind of the process of of how to get your either your your product or your service to market. Um, so for me, um, outside of money, networking was the biggest key uh, to success. You know, if you get the um, the the money piece handled out, um, joining these local networking groups. Uh, I think will really uh, be beneficial. Um, and I would say just to pull some things from your Green Beret background into the networking space, there was a, probably a lot of similarities. Like you were able to, I mean, if you're dropping in and meeting up with, you know, people you've never met before and speaking their native tongue, you can certainly navigate a networking happy hour. Yeah. 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 I, you're, you're right. I mean, when, we were in networking uh, in the military was was huge, um, and so being able to bring a little bit of that uh, to this side, you know, is uh, is going to be a key to success. So, um, definitely wouldn't be where I am uh, if I didn't join groups like you know BNI, which is uh, Business Networking International, um, and just being able to. Uh, you know, establish relationships with people um, who can, you know, influence other networks. So just like the relationship that you and I have, you know, we're both part, a part of the Green Beret Foundation uh, board and the Cincinnati chapter. Um, I mean, just getting involved with your community um, in organizations like that uh, allows you to expand your network. Um, if you're going to try to go and, and build a new venture or, or a new business and, and you think you can uh, do it alone, um, it, it's going to be a, a tough road to hoe. Um, you know, tamping in into other people's networks is uh, is really, you know, a, a big key. Yeah, it's huge. I always tell people, like, get out there and network, find your passion and go that direction and meet the people that also have the same passions as you have. And, you know, join different leagues if you like to play sports, join different foundations if you have a, you know, calling for a certain foundation. And that's how you build out your network. And then you're surrounding yourself with people that, you know, you're going to already have a natural liking to. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
the one thing let's I wanted to back up just a little bit so we don't gloss over because I think it's one of the most important parts of starting a business and that's you know having a clear business plan. I mean I think people kind of come in with a good idea and they set goals but they're just you know setting numbers on paper and you know I always say that the more intentional your goals are the better chance of positive outcomes. Don't you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know one thing that um you know, is ingrained in a lot of people coming out of the military is, you know, backwards planning, right? So, you know, whether it's a short-term goal or a long-term goal, if you write it out, right, that becomes your business plan, right? If your your goal is to reach, you know, a certain amount of revenue or a certain amount of clients and you're able to backwards plan, and, you know, create those stepping stones that you have to achieve in order to meet your shorter long-term goal. That's it, right? I mean, you, you can kind of write your own story. And if you, you have to keep referencing it, you know, in the, the journey, right? There's so many shiny things that can take you off task. Right. And if you try to do all of those shiny things, um, you're going to be sitting there feeling like you're spinning your wheels and not getting anything done. But if you backwards plan and stay true to it in the sense of reference that plan, you know, if you're not, you know, hitting those stepping stones, figure out why or create new stepping stones um, in order for you to be able to to take steps forward. And that's, that's not to say that just because you have a plan, everything's going to work out. Um, there's always going to be steps backwards. But um, to your point, you know, having a business plan and, you know, a path forward is, is something that's pivotal. I mean, it's, it's a must have. You, you got to do it. Right. I mean, the name of this program is staying on track for a reason, because you know, we set these long-term plans in place, whether it be your individual financial plan, your business plan. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to look out 30 years for a, a retirement goal, but you, you know, you say, we got to plug something in there and then back work back and then get this into one year increments or quarterly increments. So we know that we're hit and staying on track and we're not, because if you veer off a little bit, you know, you look down the road 10 years from today, you can be way off track if you're not staying you know, if you're not constantly monitoring it, reevaluating your goals, are they realistic? Uh, set measurable goals. Don't just set a goal like, yeah, I want to do, you know, $5 million in revenue in, in five years. Well, how are you going to get there? You know, back that up to, you know, orderly goals and things that you can actually monitor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can take it all the way, all the way down, right. To, you know, even your, your weekly goals, right. And, just make my just make my bed this morning. Start off with an yeah. easy task that everybody can achieve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, if you have to, you know, take it take it down to that point. Um, but going at something like this uh, without um, putting the pen to paper and and writing out your plan uh, is going to be you know nearly impossible to do. And ask for help. I mean, it's okay to say, I'm putting this plan together. Let me talk to somebody that's already done it and mm -hmm. looks like what where you want to be. Or let me just go to somebody. 
And obviously I always try to get people to come to me for financial advice, but that's, you know, you go to the professionals and say, look, this is my idea. Is this reasonable or not? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. As you talked a little bit before about some businesses that didn't work out so well, we all have them. And you basically, you take those ones that, you know, were duds and basically say, well, I'm not going to do that again. And this is why. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are, are the, the the learning points that stick with you the the hardest there's yeah. the things that that don't work out but again to your point um you know that could be some of the best knowledge that you get well this is great i mean i think some of the things to kind of recap that and and you can fill in also you know as you're going through this period whether you're in the military or you're sitting in a cubicle somewhere in downtown cincinnati and you say look i don't want to have a boss anymore I have a passion for something. I want to start this awesome business and I have this great idea. So first step in that whole process is get this down on paper, get a real clear business plan with intentional goals and try to figure out how you can work through that. And is it a feasible plan? Um, know your target market. You know, you knew your target market coming out of there. You had that experience from the military. You're able to pull your experience and say, this is a business I can really dive into and make work. So make sure you know the target market and do your market research and understand what you really try to find a niche that you can service at a high level. And lastly, really managing the finances, ask for help, you know, search out for the resources because there's a vast number of resources available for you know new startup businesses military backed businesses you know if you're not in the military and you know you're a minority there's resources for you as well so there's a ton of resources to start businesses mm -hmm. yeah and be ready and willing to sacrifice um if it was easy everybody would do it right um i know everybody you know, listening comes from different walks of life and is in, sitting in, in different um, different situations. You know, somebody with, uh, you know, four kids at home um, is going to be at a different comfort level when it comes to uh, what they're w willing to sacrifice, um, whether it's pay or um, health care benefits than the, the single person, right? That it's only worrying about themselves. But it either, you know, wherever you're sitting, you know, it's not going to be the easiest thing um, because if it was, everybody would do it. So be ready and willing to, to put in the, the work and the sacrifice. Um, and if you are and you don't expect uh, the plan to just, you know, magically happen, um, you know, you, you will be successful because you're going to hold yourself. Uh, to that accountability. That's well said. I mean, coming from two business owners, you know, yes, it's super difficult. And I look back in our, in our journey over the past couple of years to get to where we are now with our business. And there was a ton of sacrifices and there was a lot of things, especially at the beginning financially, where we knew like, look, there's going to be a period of time where there's, you know, zero income and zero revenue coming in. So we had to plan for that on the front end, which we did. And I think that, but Looking back now, you know, I feel fantastic about where we are and I have no regrets and, you know, I'm having a blast doing this and it's so rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I love hearing it. All right, Zach. Well, 
appreciate you coming on and uh you know good luck to you all right thanks jason always a pleasure thanks guys this is staying on track i'm jason beichel thank you for listening for more information please visit our website at www.daymarkwealthpartners.com or reach out to one of our trusted advisors this podcast is being provided for informational purposes only The ideas and opinions expressed on this show by Daymark Wealth Partners and their guests do not constitute legal, tax, or investment advice, or a recommendation of any particular security or strategy, and do not represent the opinions of the underwriters of this program. Any information prepared from third-party sources are believed to be reliable, though its accuracy is not guaranteed. Opinions expressed in this commentary reflect subjective judgment of the speakers based on conditions at the time of the recording, and are subject to change without notice. Listeners should seek the input of their own financial, tax, and legal professionals before acting on any information provided. Past performance is not indicative of future results.